Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Well, I'm so excited. Welcome to Oaks Church, our very, very first Christmas Eve. We've never been able to do this before, and we're so glad that you're here and you're worshiping with us. This is our first of two services uh, today, and so uh, we've got another group of people coming in to hang out with us a little bit later on this uh, evening. I hope you have wonderful plans uh, with your family uh, throughout these uh, next couple of days and, and as we finish the year, and I'm really excited. I'm excited to share the message with you today. We have um, an online service Sunday. We'll be online only on Sunday. We wanted you to be able to enjoy your family and spend time with your family. And so we want to put most of our energy into this service here on on Christmas Eve. And then we've produced a service for you. I've got a great message that we've already produced for you on uh, Sunday morning that you're going to really enjoy. And it'll finish off this theme that we're in called Adore. Adore. We've talked about what that means for the last number of weeks, uh, what it means to us adore God. It's all about loving Him, and God adores you. And there's a number of different ways that we respond to Him, and we give Him our attention, and we give Him our affection. And tonight, as we finish up this part of the Christmas story, uh, I want to talk to you about a number of things, but I specifically want to talk to you about the master plan that God had and that He put in motion that we are a part of, and it's really what we're celebrating here tonight. Amen? Amen. Let me pray, and we're going to jump right into this message. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity, God. We ask you just to speak to us and speak uh, through me, Father. Your word, your will, your wisdom, your knowledge, release it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The master plan. Uh, Have you ever had a plan go wrong? I grew up in the 80s, so we had the A-team, and and the slogan from the A-team, one of them was, I love it when a plan comes together. Uh, but And I love to have a plan. I want to be a man with a plan. I, I like it. It makes you feel like you, you're in a good spot if you have a plan. But I, if I had a dollar for every time a plan went wrong, I'd, I'd have a whole lot of dollars because I've had a lot of plans go wrong. Uh, last year on our anniversary, I made some plans, and um, we had a nice hotel reservation in downtown and, uh, and, and a cool restaurant. And at the last minute, I thought that I would add in a spa treatment, but the hotel spa was closed because of this, of this stupid thing called COVID. So I found another little spa that was close to the hotel and, and made plans, and I was surprising Jennifer with a lot of this kind of stuff. But then I didn't calculate in the additional things that we had added onto the schedule and also living out in the country, I didn't account for some traffic situations that would be going on and all of a sudden we're late leaving and then we run into traffic and by the time we actually made it to the spa, we were about 35 minutes late and they could only do a portion of the spa and and my wife hates being late. Anywhere, everywhere, at all times, it's a major thing. Luckily, I'm never late. I'm always precisely on time whenever I intend to arrive. Um, but it ruined, it, ruined, it ruined everything. Because by the time we're in the massage, she's so stressed out from how I drove getting there that she couldn't enjoy the massage. And, and the massage was so bad that, that, that dinner was off and the whole night was off. And, and it, was, 
it was the worst plan I ever had that I can recall. It's at least the most painful plan. But God's plans are perfect. There's, a, there's, an old, uh, there's an old Yiddish saying that says, man makes plans and God laughs. See, the, the scripture says in Proverbs 19, 21, that many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. God's plans are perfect. Probably the most famous verse, uh, when people pick a verse that's their favorite verse in the Bible, it's almost always Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come to me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. See, this master plan that God put in motion, what I want to show you today is this plan was not by accident. It wasn't something that God just thought up. He didn't have a good idea one day and begin to implement different things. God created this entire plan and the reason that we even celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ on December 25th is tied in to the essence of creation and what God did in the cosmos before we were even spoken into existence. Curious? See, Christmas is a controversial thing. Uh, there are lots of places that don't want to celebrate Christmas, don't want to let you celebrate Christmas. Christmas is something that has kind of been uh, taken captive in a lot of ways, and Jesus has been extracted out of it and isn't even a part of a lot of different type of Christmas situations and ceremonies. See, there were holidays and there were celebrations and things around the same season, and throughout history, as the church gained influence, the church would just take over different holidays. There are people that don't like Halloween, but Halloween was created by the church. Do you know that? All Hallows' Eve, the ween of Hallows, was created by the Catholic Church to replace a pagan holiday, and it just took over, and now it's global and whatever, but it was created by the church. Similar, celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ in De December is something that was created by the church, but it's connected into the design of God. And we know, according to history and scripture uh, and tradition, that Jesus wasn't born actually on December 25th, but the date of December 25th is actually a very specific and strategic date that you'll see. See, God planned for you to find and know him. He planned for you to find and know him. This whole story of a baby in a manger and shepherds in the field and angels singing and, and, and steering these first evangelists, the shepherds that would come and see the baby Jesus and find him there and then go begin to tell the world and the rumors would spread and, and, and the, the, the buzz would begin to go throughout Israel. But it was later that the Magi would show up when they followed a star, what they thought was a star. And I want to dive into the mystery of that star tonight and help you understand that God is very strategic and he's a master planner and he put everything in place for a specific reason. Acts chapter 17 verse 26 says, from one man he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Interestingly enough, According to the Bible, every civilization, every season, every time that they would have possession of land or territories was all marked out by God. 
Lots of controversy about that kind of stuff nowadays with people talking about different things in our modern culture. But according to the Bible, all of it was master planned. The different countries, different empires, different initiatives would happen because God had something at work. There's a movement, an anti-American movement, a shame America movement that honestly is an anti-Christ movement. Because if you understand, America is responsible for 95% of the generosity around the world. America is responsible for 95% of the missions giving all around the world. If it wasn't for America, this place that God marked out a season in time that we would exist, missions as we know it, the gospel of Jesus Christ going forth as we know it would not exist. There's a purpose for America. We should be proud of that as Christians. See, a masterpiece of art has to have both light and dark to create contrast so you can see the beauty. If Jennifer and I didn't have the dark times in our life, the light times wouldn't be as beautiful. The ups and the downs, it's all part of the master plan. Romans chapter one, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God has hidden himself all throughout creation hoping that mankind would seek for him, find him, and know him. He planned for you to find him. He planned for you to know him. And you might think, you know what, Joel, it's, that's easy. Why would he need to hide himself? We have a Bible. I mean, we can just read the story of God in written form. Do you realize that the story of God in written form was only mass-produced only a couple hundred years ago? You, you realize that for the first 2,500 years of recorded human experience, there was no Bible. It was, it was stories told from father to son to grandson to great-grandson, passed down for generations of someone that had an experience, but there was no written record. Not until Moses was there a record, written record of the story of God, and then there was only one copy in one nation, one people group, in one language. And the story began to spread, and, and the prophets came in, and there were more parts of the story written. But when Jesus came, it was still one nation on the planet that had the story. And then it was 30 and 50 and 60 years after Jesus that the Gospels were written. But it was 300 years after Jesus that the Bible was actually canonized. Only 1,700 years ago was the Bible put together in a format like we know it today. And it was handwritten and hand transcribed. And it was rare and very far and few between. And no one owned a Bible. And then in the 15 and 1600s, somebody invented a printing press. And for the first time, the Bible was the very first thing that was printed. And it began to get out. But still, the, an entire factory could print two Bibles a day in the, in the 1600s. 
It wasn't until the 1800s that the printing revolution happened. And all of a sudden, the Bible began to get out and spread all around the world for most of human experience. The only way you're going to have an encounter with God is if you sought for him and you found him and you could see him in creation and someone would share an experience with you. There was no Bible for the heroes of the faith that we read about and celebrate today. But God, the creator, put his story in the stars. He put his story in the stars. See, in Genesis, we understand the very first words that God said over creation. He said, let there be light. He separated the light from the dark. But there were no planets yet. There were no stars yet. There was no sun yet. There was no moon yet. The Bible says that God is light. Did you know in in heaven, in the book of Revelation, it says that when you go to heaven, you won't need a sun or a moon or anything because God himself is light. It was the fourth day. See, I didn't realize this. I've been reading my Bible for 40 years. And I didn't realize that God said, let there be light more than once. It was on the fourth day. Three days later, God said, let there be lights, plural, in the firmament of the heavens to divide divide the day from the night. And watch this, watch this. Let them be for signs and seasons, for days and for years. Goes on to say that he made the stars also and God set them in the firmament of the heavens. The lights that we see at night were made by God specifically, according to scripture, to be signs. Signs. What is a sign? A little red sign, white label around it that you California cruise through. Does anybody actually stop at the stop sign? Only if there's an officer. Just kind of roll through them. We recognize different signs. Signs give us messages. Signs communicate. Signs guide us. God created the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets to communicate a message. And it was a message that was seen and understood and known all through the ancient world. See, we can barely see the stars anymore. You you, you don't even know hardly any of the constellations anymore. God created the constellations. Watch this, Psalms chapter 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. God created the lights in space to proclaim a message. Isaiah 40 verse 25 says, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who 
brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. Now, uh, I know you're thinking, Joe, why are you talking about stars so much tonight? Because God used the stars to predict his coming Messiah. He put a story in the sky that people knew about that they watched for thousands of years waiting for a Messiah to be born. I hope you'll be patient with me geeking out on astronomy tonight. I, I took astronomy in high school, two semesters. I liked it quite a bit. And I got really caught up studying the star with these magi followed. See, when we look at the stars in the sky, we don't really realize what we're seeing. But there are literally hundreds of billions of galaxies just like our own. And each one of those galaxies has hundreds of billions of stars. And God called them all by name and placed them specifically in order and the universe is so specific and so perfect that it literally runs mathematically like the most precise timepiece you could ever imagine. God told Job that he created the constellations, that he named the constellations. It's part of the majesty of who he is. And all through the history of mankind, stars have been used to create expectation, to know the Father, that people could see the signs in the heavens and be on the lookout for a coming Messiah. Matthew chapter 2, we pick up the story of the Magi coming from the east. When they got there, they said, where is the one who has been born? The king of the Jews, we saw his star when it rose. What did they see? What did they actually see? See, we have come to worship him, and it disturbed King Herod and all of Jerusalem with him. See, Paul would say later in the book of Romans that everyone in Jerusalem knew. They knew because of what they had seen in the sky that something had happened. The, the, the ancient people studied the sky. Guys, they had nothing else to do. There was no Netflix. In the summer, in the, in the Middle East, in Persia, in Babylon, it, all throughout the region around the Mediterranean, it was hot. And they had flat roofs, and people would sleep on their roofs at night, and they would stare at the sky with no light pollution. It provoked them to worship. See, this star that they saw wasn't actually a star. See, the ancients didn't know necessarily in the beginning what they were looking at. They called them all stars. Some of the stars stayed stationary. Those were the actual stars. Some of the stars moved. Those were planets, but they didn't know. They called them wandering stars. But they had become so 
incredibly gifted and talented with measuring the sky. They had made devices and they would measure the stars and measure the sky and they would watch things move and they didn't necessarily know what they were originally. But they knew something was going on. See, it wasn't until the 1500s that Galileo created the first telescope. He took a spyglass that they used for looking off in the distance over the ocean and decided to turn it facing up. 1600s. It was, it was in the 1600s that, that all of a sudden we began to have an explosion of understanding of what's actually going on in the heavens. There's a guy named Johannes Kepler, a German mathematician, that without computers, with paper and a pencil, did the math of the universe and created and discovered the laws of planetary motion. And his math was so perfect and so precise that NASA still uses his math 400 years later. And now it's computerized. But he did it on paper. See, the laws of planetary motion reveal the glory of God because every single part of the cosmos moves and exists inside of a perfect order that can never be changed. And now, because of modern science and technology and computing, they can take Kepler's math, put it into a computer program, and they can run the universe back centuries, millennia, run it forward into the future. They know where every planet will be. They will know where every galaxy will be. They know where everything will be at the precise time. Why? Because God had a master plan. Before he even created us. Guys, watch this. Before Adam and Eve even sinned. Before there was a need for a savior. He created the lights in the heavens. And he put them all in place to tell a story that would come to a climax on December 25th, 2 BC. See, as they run the universe back, I'm going to show you a first image here that's going to be kind of interesting and confusing a little bit. But you're going to see, this is what the Magi would have seen. These two constellations, there's a there's a specific, uh, at the top, I don't know if you can read it or not, it says Jupiter and Regulus. And this is inside of the constellation Leo. But this is a view of the sky from Babylon looking toward Israel. In the Magi, on the, in the month of September of 3 BC, saw the planet Jupiter move past another star called Regulus. Jupiter was the king planet the biggest of all planets. Regulus was the king star. It means regal. And Jupiter, in the motion, moves past it and literally stops in the sky. Now, Jupiter didn't actually stop, but the way that we view the stars, and if you ever watch or look at stars, they move all across the sky at night, but the stars aren't actually moving. The earth is moving. The earth is moving. It, it, it moves around the sun and it rotates and all of that type of thing. And so I don't understand all of that. I'm just, just telling you a little bit that I do know. But Jupiter moves past Regulus, stops because of what's called retrograde motion of the earth. 
and then appears to go backwards and it passes back and forth over Regulus three times in a row and it got their attention because you got the king planet rotating over, almost creating a halo or a crown over the king star inside of the king constellation. Now we understand according to scripture that there's a lion of the tribe of Judah that's connected to Israel. So these magi are triggered that something has happened and they're watching the sky. What's interesting, and, and, and as you see that the, as the constellation, as the earth rotates, the next constellation that would rise is the constellation Virgo, the virgin. And in Revelation, John tells of what he saw. Interestingly, John, who had been blinded, has a vision and describes this verse. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon at her feet, and upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. And that's exactly what the Magi saw. John prophesied something that the Magi actually saw with their eyes when they studied it. I want you to go to the next slide for me because I want you to see what they saw nine months later. See, the first thing that they saw was the conception of Jesus Christ. Nine months later, they saw Venus and Jupiter come into alignment, and they didn't eclipse each other. They joined side by side, and this is all mapped out scientifically that you can go and you could reverse the universe back Rewind the universe back and see this moment, and it was the brightest star that anyone had ever seen with the naked eye because the king planet and the queen planet came together and they didn't cover up, they shared one light. And the Magi said, The king is born. And they traveled to Jerusalem, and when they got there, King Herod, because he was a wicked person, wasn't paying attention. He didn't know he had to call the experts. All the experts said, oh yeah, this is going on. And the baby's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So he sent the Magi to Bethlehem. But what he didn't realize is that Jesus was already gone from Bethlehem. Because Luke chapter 2 says that after the 40 days of Mary's purification, they went back to Nazareth where they lived. And so King Herod sends the Magi to Bethlehem. But the scripture says that the Magi, when they got out, they were led by a star. The star, they saw it again in the sky, and it moved until it stopped. And watch this. December 25th of 2 BC, the planet Jupiter literally moved and could be seen directly over Israel. And because of retrograde motion, it appeared to stop. And they followed that straight to the house of Jesus Christ. Jesus was just a child. And they anointed him as king and they gave him gifts fit for a king. We talked about that on Sunday as well. What's the point, Joel? The point is God created all of this before he even created you. He put the stars in the sky, set them all in motion. Put everything in precise place so that on December 25th of 2 BC, the Magi would find the child Jesus and the first Christmas would be celebrated. Now, they didn't call it Christmas, but there were big gifts that were given. 
That's where the tradition of gift giving for us as Christians comes on December 25th. So as you celebrate with your families tomorrow, you're celebrating the light of God that came into the world. Jesus is the light of the world. When God said, let there be light, he released the essence of Jesus. Jesus is the creative force of God. He's God in action. He's the word of God. He's spoken God. Everything that is, is because of Jesus. Today, I want to give you an invitation. And we're going to worship the Lord in just a moment. We're going to receive communion. I believe that they received communion elements when they came in. I didn't receive any. I'm going to need some of those uh, myself. But before we do that, I want to just give you a second to pray a prayer. Because when we receive communion, what we're doing is we're taking the identity of Jesus Christ upon ourselves. This is a very important thing. It's, it's, it's a symbolic thing. It's a powerful thing. In fact, this receiving of communion is so powerful that the Apostle Paul said that some people became sick and even died because they did it wrong. That's a wild thing to think about. But the beauty is, if you can do it wrong and you can become sick and die, if you do it right, there's power in it that you can become well and live. See, when you, and you can just peel this back and pull this little piece of bread out, you can peel this little top part off and open up your little cup of juice. It was the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples. Pulled the bread out and he broke it. He said, this bread is my body broken for you. And before we take this, I want to lead you in a prayer. Because as I said, this has power. What you're doing in this moment is you're literally taking the identity of Jesus Christ upon yourself. You're taking the name of God upon yourself. See, that's why this is a powerful thing. Most of us have heard of the Ten Commandments. One of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. That means to take his name falsely. Doesn't mean to stub your toe and say a bad word. It means to falsely take the identity of Christ upon yourself with no intention of actually living for him or serving him. That's why this is so serious. Because you're literally taking the identity of Jesus Christ into your body. That's what this represents. So before we do this, pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, thank you for your master plan. Thank you for the beauty of your creation. Thank you for revealing yourself to me. I give my life to you. I dedicate myself to you. I believe you, Jesus, rose from the dead. And I make you my Lord. I take your identity upon myself. I am yours. In Jesus' name, receive the body. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The next thing Jesus did is he took the cup of wine, it was an actual goblet of wine. Some of you grew up in churches like I did that you would have one piece of bread and everyone would come and pull some off and 
There would be one cup and everyone would drink out of the same cup. Now people are freaks about germs and stuff and pretty sure that communion would kill all that anyway, but it's kind of the point. But on that night, Jesus held up this glass and he said, he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. My blood poured out for you. They were at the Passover meal and the Passover meal was was a picture of, of the freedom that God gave his people when he rescued them out of Egypt. And the wine that they drink at Passover, they drink it aggressively. If you ever go to a Passover Seder, prepare yourself. Because there's four glasses of wine, they expect you to drink all of it. And they drink it real fast. And it's a, it's a party. And it's all about freedom. And Jesus said, I'm, I'm not going to drink this cup with you. In fact, I won't drink the cup again until I'm in my Father's kingdom. Because Jesus was trading his freedom so that we could have it. He became a captive so that we could be free. And as we receive this, the blood of the new covenant, the new covenant is the new deal. It's it's being right with God, not because of your behavior, but because of what Christ fulfilled in your faith in him. So as we receive this, you're receiving the freedom of Jesus Christ. Your righteousness in faith in him alone. Amen? Receive the cup. Thank you, Jesus. Worship just a little bit more. This message has blessed your life, and if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening, and have a great week.